This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D. Broadcasting from the HJL Hospitality and Evolve Studios in L.A. And KZSB AM 1290 and FM 96.9 Santa Barbara. Or somewhere from the road. He's opened and fixed more than 200 restaurants, bars, nightclubs, hotels, and neighborhood joints around the globe. He's an industry driver, an author, and a columnist. He's a restaurateur with legendary rock star Mick Fleetwood in Fleetwood's on Front Street in Lahaina, Maui. And he's your radio host. And now, back from a race around the sun, Jeremiah Higgins. Ken, you, uh, we just came in here, uh, you just listened to, and you're probably still rocking out wherever you're at, in your car, your house, your computer, your office, and you're not really working, you're listening to the, the new album, that was the, the first track, uh, Ladies from Hell, and uh, our special guest will explain that title a little bit later, don't send us any hate emails yet, um, it is so good, how do I follow that up, Dr. D, I mean... Well, I, I, I can say this much. It is great to listen to because my ears aren't bleeding. I know that I've heard that phrase before, that if you've got it up so loud, your ears will bleed. But I, mine are fine. I'm still hearing, and it sounds unbelievable. Well, Dr. D, I'm sitting across from you here at the console, and I don't <laughs> want to cause you any alarm, but your ears are bleeding. Oh, dear. Okay. Well, that, that answers that question. And that, of course, I don't think I've mentioned that's off the new Jeff Skunk Baxter's uh, album, which is not... Out yet, uh, but you can, I'm going to give you all the information to pre-order throughout the show here, um, and it is um, it might be one of the best albums I've heard. Rock and roll. I mean, this is rock and roll the way it's meant to be, and I haven't heard anything like this for a long time. Um, lucky us, we got a we got a sneak peek of the album. Lucky you, you also get a sneak peek. Uh, we're going to play four of the songs that have not obviously yet been released on the show today. So you, you probably want me to tell you who our special guest is. Would you tell us who our special guest is? A very, very, very special guest. You like is, my original questions? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I like you asking back. That's um, right. 
Yeah, echoing, I, I don't echoing. think you need a doctor yet, by the way, doctor. Okay. It, it looks like the blood has stopped flowing a uh, little good. bit. But, but, um, but we got 20 minutes till we play the next That's one. So true. you might want to put some cotton in there. <laughs> uh, my special guest, my very special guest today is an emphasis on very special guest today, C.J. Vanston. C.J. Vanston is a film composer. He's a record producer. He's a songwriter and a keyboardist. Uh, we sum it all up with one title, Overachiever. <laughs> His most recent work and a big accomplishment is on this album that you're going to hear throughout the show today. He's a musical partner with Jeff Skunk Baxter. And he's a co-producer and a co-writer of several tunes on the album, Speed of Heat. Speed of Heat is to be released this June 17th and just in time. This is your summer album, and you're not gonna oh, you don't yeah. want to play this everywhere you go. This is this is you're gonna hear it at the parties. Um, out on the, the beach. beach. Oh my god, this is good. Speed of Heat is to be released again June 17th by BMG Renewal Records. CJ, who did the music for some of my favorite and most funny movies out there, Christopher Guest. Uh, he's worked on Waiting and did the music for Waiting for Guffman. Best in show. You know that one, Dr. D? I think so. Oh, my God. Oh, A Mighty Wind and many more for uh, Christopher Guest is also known as... Um, a, a, just a talented, a world-renowned keyboardist. Uh, he even toured with Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, there is rumor he may t- he may drop a little bit more. I hope we, this is okay if we if we mention. But there is rumor of a Spinal Tap too coming out. Ooh, um, I like it, rumors. I, I like rumors, and I hope that I even like when they come true. If it's if it's Spinal Tap, he's worked with uh, oh you know Prince. Yeah, you may have heard of him. Yeah. In uh, sync, Barbara Streisand, Ooh. Ringo Starr, oh yeah, Celine Dion, okay, Bob Seger, mm-hmm. Richard Marks, mm-hmm. Tina Turner, mm-hmm. <laughs> Alex Johnson. I think in fact we're building Joe Cocker, Peter Cetera, yeah, <laughs> Anna Vissi, the Yellow Card, Spinal Tap, Harry Shearer, Steve Lukather, Dennis the Young, and Toto. Just to name a few, Def Leppard. Wow. By the way. We're going to play one of Toto. his. Uh, yeah. Toto, yeah. And Def Leppard is one of my uh, my high school bands. I love the Def Leppard. Still you know, do. It's, it's amazing to hear these names th- that I listened to when I was growing up in the 70s. And and they're still around. It's, yeah. It's and incredible. It's, uh, uh, all these names that we've mentioned are yeah. iconic. And the music is iconic. Uh, that, it's our soundtrack yeah. of our life, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so very, when I say very special guest, now you get it, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Um, to talk to a legend, and I don't use that word lightly, but he's a legend, CJ. He's, uh, he's done a lot of work he's had. I just listen to these bands, and I, and I love them, and they've added so much to my life. You know, he's actually worked with them or on them. So we're going to find out what makes CJ tick today. Uh, okay. Let me do a, a little bit here about the album. Let me set that up, and then we'll bring in CJ. So he's been working, as I mentioned, with legendary rock and roll Hall of Fame guitarist Jeff Skunk Baxter. So Jeff was on, or Skunk, as he likes to be called, mm-hmm. right, um, was on on this season on uh, episode 449. So go back if you'd like. To, he talks all about the album and, and it coming out and his, his tour. 
that he's on. But uh, CJ worked with Jeff Skunk Baxter, uh, who also, you know, obviously is known, and if you don't know, he's known to everyone for his groundbreaking work with Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers. And from countless smash hit recordings, he's performed on as an in-demand first call studio musician. He announced uh, that he obviously worked with with CJ here. CJ is a producer and a songwriter. Uh, They announced this, that his first solo album. Now he did mention in his interview that there was a solo album put out that he didn't approve of or wasn't involved in really, but this is his first I'm putting out a solo album and I think it's 10 or 11 years and CJ can clarify that for us and verify that for us. But, um, since his days with, uh, the bands, the big bands. Mm -hmm. So it's coming out again on BMG renew records on June 17, 2022. Welcome to the show, CJ. Hey, nice to be here. So nice. So nice to have you here. On a late Monday afternoon, uh, joining us from it looks like your stu- your home studio there, in uh, yeah. in Hollywood. You're living in Hollywood these days, yes? Studio City, Studio yeah. City. Hollywood Hills. Yeah, how's it? Nice and hot down there today. It's beautiful. It's perfect today. It's just one of those beautiful California days. And uh, I've been at the NAM convention the whole last weekend, and I was down there with Skunk. Yeah, and uh, nice to be chilling out. Is all I'll say. It was exhausting, but wonderful. Tell Great us. to see a lot, a lot of old friends down there, and uh, it's good to see people out and uh, celebrating music. Yeah, and and for those that don't know, what is Nam, and and you know, like what happens there? I've always wondered. I I know what Nam is, but what what happens there, and what? Well, it's the National Association of Music Merchants, and it's pretty much where they debut. All the manufacturers are there at the uh, convention center, huge, giant convention, and they debut their newest instruments. And all the musicians that are their artists all show up and it becomes this kind of, I mean, during the Wizard of Oz, when they uh, hired all the little people to be the munchkins, (laughs) they put them all in one hotel. And I guess it was the wildest hang of all time. That's kind of what this is. When you put that many musicians (laughs) in one place, it's just nuts. It's just great. You probably can't repeat half of the stories that happen. Huh? <laughs> oh, no, it's just it's just great fun. You walk down the hall and, you know, there's Steve Vai and there's Satriani and there's Jeff Baxter and just on and on. It's just there, musicians. There's have known CJ. For, and yeah. me. People, <laughs> you know, people that I've known for 30 years. So it becomes mm-hmm. a giant reunion and all this great gear. And uh, it's just nice to have a celebration of music all in one place. But anyway. I don't know where this is a nice kickback. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm thanks for joining us after all that. You look rested. I don't know if that's uh, make hair and makeup or what down there. You got (laughs) (laughs) You're looking good. my friend. Uh, I don't know what is more. What would be more um, thrilling or more. uh, What's more interesting even to me to, to, to be a CJ uh, Vanson, who has worked with the, the, all the groups and more that I've mentioned, I've barely scratched the surface, uh, to have been involved with all of them and their, and their hits and their, uh, their music in some way and to be sought after. And then to also have an incredible career as, as, a, as a film composer on your own and a keyboardist and a musician and an artist. Uh, a producer or all or an artist i don't like skunk or 
you know, the band Def Leppard or, you know, Toto. They've got this amazing, iconic career, but you've, you've, you've also got your own, but you've worked with all of the, all, you know, the big ones and anybody who's anybody. I don't know how, which one I would be more. Well, and, and I want to tail off I mean, of the question to get to, to, to get to CJ. And that is when you were working with them, they weren't. The were they the iconic groups, bands, and individuals, or oh, were yeah, they I'm just fellow musicians? I wasn't, I wasn't around when they were developing. I'm, I'm, I'm worked in. with most of these artists in their in their later, you know, their so, legacy years, maybe. So, maybe have you been in awe of them, or they oh of you? God. How is that? They obviously no, are in awe of him Some as of well. these people, I would have cut cut off a toe when I was twenty years old to even meet, yeah. and then to then be working with them, let alone be. Uh, producing and writing and traveling with them uh you know it's just been it's it was it really was my goal but it was it was a dream and it turned into reality and that just kind of built on its on itself so uh amazing it's kind of forrest gumpy really yeah well let's go back let's start here um let's start where it all began cj you were born in denver colorado to bonnie smith and paul vanston Tell me about oh. growing up in those early days in Denver. Well, a city I've never I was only visited. There eight months. Oh, eight only months? eight months because <laughs> I was born with a with a heart defect and had to have heart surgery when I was eight months old. Oh, so wow. I think something happened to me then that that's when my brain got probably lack of oxygen or something that <laughs> sent me down this uh, <laughs> this other path here. So I'm, my heart's fine. My, I'm very healthy, and but it saved my life. And anyway, we ended up back in Michigan, and uh, my parents, both musical and both both sides, but my dad was a remarkable uh, jazz pianist. Mm. And uh, my parents split when I was four, so he got an apartment over a stage in a nightclub. And I would go visit him at four and go up on top of the, you know, in the apartment above the station. He would just lock me in the apartment and then go down and play the set. I mean, you'd never do that today. Child services would show up like in a helicopter if you did that today. Mm -hmm. How old were you when he did that? How old were you when he did that? Four. Four. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think you'd be in Uh trouble. Yep, yep. So could you hear the music from below? Oh, so that's what I was going to say. So I would just lie on the floor with my ear to the floor and, I hear that. Oh, wow. I could hear the applause and I just loved it. Then on the breaks, the musicians would come up and they'd be like, hey, baby. Hey, cat, how you doing, man? Everything good? Oh, yeah. I'm like, these guys are so much cooler than those other people I see out there. (laughs) I just love the way they hung out. So Stan Kenton, uh, great big band leader. Yeah, yeah. Loved my dad's playing. And he would always come to hear him. And uh, one time he came up to the apartment on break with his band, a few guys from his band. And he had this big shock of white hair. And I was four years old. And I looked up like, wait a minute. And I look over in the corner. There's a Stan Kenton album sitting there with the same guy. And I just, four years old, I'm like, this is the first celebrity I've ever seen right in the room. Right. And the guys all had cool suits on. And then I thought, wait a minute. These guys are so successful. This is, this is bullshit because if they're so successful, why can't they afford their own cigarette? <laughs> why do they have to share a cigarette? 
That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. It was a fun, it was a funny smelling cigarette too. You know, uh-huh. a different smell than the other cigarettes. That I was uh, used there's to. the punchline. There's the line. Yeah. There's the reason. <laughs> one time, I guess one of the guys brought a big brick of, of weed with him. And back then it was like heroin. And uh, my dad said, Oh my God, put that in, hide it in the oven. The cops will never look there. You know, cause <laughs> so then he went down and played the set and in between songs. Yeah. That was a, Song by Miles Davis. The next thing we're going to do is a Dizzy Gillespie. And then the drummer goes, somebody's smoking weed in the club. Uh-oh. And they're looking around the club. Who would be smoking weed? And all of a sudden, my dad goes, gee, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Out the door, up the fire escape, opens the door to the apartment. It's a complete whiteout. <laughs> I've turned on the oven. And he, he looks down. I'm four years old. I look up and I go, Hi, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Stoned did- out of my brains at four years old. So I guess what I'm saying is I was raised by wolves, you know. Is that when you jumped on the keyboards, you could just play? <laughs> <laughs> or you thought you could? <laughs> that was a whole brain short circuit. Oh, my God. So that's, that you know, I just, I, I just knew right then that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be around these cats, these, these crazy guys. And I was, uh, you know, kind of a... Small version of a child prodigy. I mm-hmm. came to me very, very easy. And uh, anyway, I played. I got in, started playing classical, taking lessons. I got competing, competing at some state level stuff. And uh, was supposed to go to college for music. And that summer, I did not want to go to college and study classical music. And uh, I snuck into a club. I, I was put ahead of grades, so I was seventeen. And I snuck into a club, and I saw an, an all black funk band. And I, it was like seeing the Holy Grail. Mm. I'm like, okay, this is the shit. What is this? They're playing Earth, Wind, and Fire, and, uh, you know, the Ohio players, Isley Brothers, all that great stuff. And they had this amazing singer built like a linebacker, just charismatic and handsome. And so I went and bought a bunch of vinyl and, and shedded all my, got all my funk riffs together. Later that summer, I'm playing in a club. Uh, by the way, I grew up in an all-white town, just all-white mm-hmm. Mm. Playing in the club, and there's that guy standing back at the at the bar listening to me play. The only black guy in the in the place. And I oops, I get my effects pedal and sort of played all this funk stuff. Got done, and he was gone. I thought, well, how the hell would he walk out while I was burning it up like that? I was really pissed. So I walk off the stage. He's standing right there, and he goes, "Y'all playing with us now?" <laughs> so, I, so I sold the car my dad got me for graduation, bought a mini Moog, and got on a yellow school bus and hit the bar circuit with a black funk band. Wow. And, that's a good and story. that was it for college. Wow. That's the, that's the college. <laughs> and that led to all sorts of cover bands. I spent a year doing Elvis imitators. I mean, it's nuts. Uh, but eventually, uh, one of our bands went to Chicago to, uh, to make a record. And we recorded in the studio where Sticks had recorded. And I was I walked in. Whoa, what is this? So we spent five days recording all these songs. And on the sixth day, the engineer said, well, let's do some keyboard overdubs. And I had all my synthesizers. And we had four days booked for that. Well, I did it all in one day, did the whole record in one day. And the guy came out and he goes, where did you learn how to do this? You're so good at this. And I said, oh, this is the first time I've I've ever done this. He goes, oh, my God. Okay, you're a born session musician. You got to get in the studio down here. And that led to me moving to Chicago and becoming the first call uh, keyboardist for uh, jingles for about eight years there. 
you know, three, four, five thousand jingles, mm. working with incredible musicians, mm. sight reading, playing jazz, classical, blues, you know, making the sound of flying shrimp for Red Lobster, you know, <laughs> all sorts of crazy shit. But it was a great training ground for the for the uh, for the the studio and uh, the, the top producer. There was a guy named Dick Marks, and he says, "My son's making a record." you got to go out to L.A. and do a song with him. So I came out to L.A. and uh, I blew off everything I was doing there, moved to L.A. And the first song I did was a song that wasn't even supposed to go on the record. It was called Right Here Waiting. It was one of the biggest hits of the entire 80s. It was a giant hit. So my phone was just started ringing off the hook. And I just, you know, this is Phil Ramone. This is, you know, all these great producers started calling me. And I started working on records. And the word was out. You know, word, word got around and... That was kind of, I was off and running. Crazy. Wow. It's, uh, it's never a straight path, is it? No. To, 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 no. to, 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 to success in your business. But what Not a, only one business, yeah. but you're mastering, you know. But what a great education. Yeah, yeah. I mean. And, and this oh, is yeah. one of the reasons why I'm, I'm a firm believer that people have to find their own way, that college, formal four-year university, isn't necessarily for everybody. Well, look, music comes from, from, from your soul, yeah. and your soul is enriched by life experiences. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you got to be out living life. And I yeah. told a bunch of film students, I said, there, there's some of you guys out there that could probably play circles around me, note-wise. But, you know, wh- what I've done in my life compared to what you've done, you know, no offense, but mm-hmm. there's no comparison. Yeah. you yeah. got to make sure you get out there and live life and and. And hopefully you'll, there's some disappointment in there. And of course there is, and especially if you're a musician yeah. and that comes out in your music. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's all one. I was talking to somebody last night, actually, that's a um, up and coming uh, rap artist. And if, if that's what, if that's the right term these days. And he said, uh, he's been through a lot. And he said, I said, what? And I said, you know, thank, uh, he said, thanks for playing on my stuff on the show and all that. And, I don't have a lot of support out there. I haven't had a lot in my life. And I said, well, all that stuff is, I can feel it in his music, you know. And yep. and the same with you. It's what it's supposed to be. All the great feel. music that we, we hear is from life experience. It's so, the ones that anyway, it just started becoming, you know, hundreds of sessions. And, of course, sitting on the sessions, here's Steve Lukather sitting across from me. Here's Lee Sklar. Here's Jim Keltner. Here's Dean Parks, you know. So I spent 30 years in the studio with the best musicians in the world. And, you know, you better be good if you can hang with that crowd. So yeah, I learned yeah. how to play every style and work with these guys. And, of course, they they dug what I was doing. And so the word got around and all of a sudden I'm working on their records. So and Jeff was one of them. Mm. By the way, Jeff and I skunk. Uh, they were flying him to Chicago to do some of these jingles. And, oh, back uh, in the day. Yeah. And that's where <laughs> I met him was on a jingle. And the producer. <laughs> was a madman. Uh, he he started drinking at about seven in the morning, <laughs> and uh, he was a genius and a really wonderful guy. But he, this this time, it, the the chart was sitting in front of us, and it just said Hyatt, and it was blank. There was nothing on it. And he goes, "Well, will you guys come up with something?" So Skunk and I look at each other, and I just met him, and we just started playing, and it was like magic. And that was the foundation for us. That was the meeting, huh? That's what Jeff said. I got to make a record with this guy. So, uh, um, that's a Jeff good. Thing. We can, yeah. Go ahead. Well, 
Listen, well, you got to take a real quick break, uh, sure. um, CJ. But let me, before we do answer this last question for me, if you wouldn't mind, um, you know, we talked, it's never a straight path, right, to success. And there's all these film students and musicians and artists that look at you and go, how did you make it? And they want to know the secret and because they have no idea where to start and all that. Um, do you think that you, and everybody's in, in that business as an artist, I'm sure everybody has their own path and is going to find their own path a different way. There's not one set way. There are some principles I'm sure that you could follow, you know, treating people kind and networking and having some natural talent. Do you think you could replicate your path to success if you had to start all over today? Yes. And, and for only one reason, I had an intense burning desire. That's all I wanted in the entire world. I ate, drank, and slept it every single day, laying in bed, uh, disappointed. How do I make it better? How do I get better? How do I program better sounds? How do I play better? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely, 100%. It'd be a completely different path. And by the way, I feel for these kids today. Uh, it was so much cooler back then because you didn't need to have another job. I, I grew up playing clubs and making enough money to buy synthesizers and and all we did was play music. That's all we did. These kids today have got to focus so much on their, their social media and, uh, and probably while having another job, you know. So, uh, yeah, Rich Ezra was telling us uh, that now, you know, 40, they got to do 45% of the heavy lifting before they even get to a, anybody to consider to sign them, you know, get, bring up their, their image and their, yep. their media and all that. Well, we are. But talk- I would have done that. You, I would have done it and I would have yeah. reveled in it. You know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's just getting to that goal. You uh, are, but I will say the last thing, what I did for a living for 35 years is a non-existent job now. Mm. And being a studio musician, mm-hmm. it's gone. Mm. Really? Yeah. Interesting. No well, we'll talk about that when we come back on the it. other side. Stay with us. We've got uh, C.J. Vanston, the great C.J. Vanston. He's American uh, film composer, record producer, songwriter, keyboardist, so much more. Uh, he's also... A co-producer and co-writer on several of the tunes on the new album we're featuring throughout the show here, Speed of Heat. It's Jeff Skunk Baxter. Uh, it's his first solo album. It's released on June 17th by BMG Renewal Records. Um, social media, let me tell you where you can find and follow CJ Vanston on Instagram at CJ Vanston. Facebook at CJ.Vanston. And on Twitter, it's C.J. Vanson. You can find him on all these platforms and keep up with him and what he's doing. Every day is a new day, and every uh, every week he's putting out new stuff, it seems like, and and, and uh, he's got his fingers everywhere. Um, incredibly talented artist, C.J. Vanson. We'll be right back after this break. Well, Dr. D, don't cut me yet. Get the album. I want you to pre-order this because I'm I'm telling you, you're going to hear it here for yourself, and you'll make your own decision. But this is a hot album. It is so good. It's rock and roll all the way with some great um, artists on it. It comes out June 17th, again, 2022 on BMG Renew Records. And you can get it on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, and on the iTunes Store. You can pre-reserve your your, uh, copy today. We'll be right back.
Hey everyone, this is CJ Vanson. I'm a producer, engineer, keyboard player, and uh, film composer. And I'm here today because I'm on the Jeremiah Show. And I am called to talk about the new record that I'm very proud of that I did with Jeff Skunk Baxter, legendary guitar player from Steely Dan and the Doobie Brothers. It's called Speed of Heat, and you're going to hear a few cuts here on the show. We're having a blast talking, and I hope you enjoy it too. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. CJ Vanston out. Restaurant is a tasty new segment on the Jeremiah Show. Host Will Knox, renowned restaurant real estate specialist, serves up a fresh look at the restaurant business. On the menu, celebrity chefs, startups, operators, deal makers, designers, and those are just some of the appetizers. Look for all of Mr. Restaurant shows. Tell your smart speaker to play the Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. We have C.J. Vanson, the great C.J. Vanson, is on the show today. Um, 
He is a film composer, a record producer, a songwriter, and a keyboardist. He is the co-producer and co-writer of several tunes on Skunk Baxter, Jeff Skunk Baxter's new solo album, Speed of Heat, is coming out on June 17th. You can pre-order your copy everywhere. BMG Records, Renewal Records, you can get it on Amazon, Apple, uh, anywhere you buy a record. Go, go do that now, pre-order. I'm telling you, it's hot. We just came, uh, we left with My Old School, which was the first single dropped from the album, and just came in with Speed of Heat. It's still playing in the background. It's, uh, and it's, it's tearing, it's burning up the studio. Good I, I work, was going to say, uh, yeah, we, 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 we normally... I will tell you, CJ, we normally try not to get the studio this hot because of fire dangers in yeah, California. Come on. But the sprinklers come on, so that's fine. <laughs> that's why Richard's uh, okay. wearing a hat. That's Dr. exactly. Got to keep, got to keep my uh, glasses from getting all uh, steamed up. But, but uh, that's the, the music. Uh, this song coming back, one of my favorites. I think it's one of yours as well, CJ. Speed of heat, uh, Doctor D. Your shoes are on fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me ask you. I wanted to. I I mean, I just I'm in I'm in awe of your um, your accomplishments. Yeah, but you weren't born a film composer, CJ. You weren't born a record producer. You weren't born a songwriter or a keyboardist. Um, I've always curious about how someone finds these passions and then becomes the very best in the world at them. Yeah. Um, how, we talked about kind of how you got there, CJ. I think it's a really incredible. Uh, example of just following your passions. Would you mind, though, break telling us how do you switch hats for each of these roles? So we could start with a producer. How you know? How do you switch from an artist to a producer? For 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 you know, you worked with Prince, you've worked with Def Leppard, you worked with Toto, Barbara Streisand. The list goes on. How do you how do you switch that role? Okay, well, uh, I've done thousands of sessions. Uh, of record sessions, and all with the greatest producers in the world. People like Phil Ramone, David Foster, Greg Ladani, who did uh, a lot of the older Toto stuff, uh, and, and the greatest engineers in the world, Ed Cherney, late Ed Cherney, Ed, uh, uh, Al Schmidt, Humberto Gatica. So I spent every day in the studio with these great producers and great engineers. So even though I was on the other side of the glass, as a uh, keyboardist, um, they started leaning on me for arrangement ideas. Because usually the keyboard guy is the guy that has the most harmonic knowledge. And it's like, hey, what if we took the bridge up a third and came back, put a two-four bar there? Let's just do a breakdown of just half the B section. They'd be like, okay, you keep doing what you're doing there. So, you know, then they'd start calling me in the control room. They'd go, hey, well, let's look at this. And so I spent a lot of time when when – Maybe some of the other guys were telling jokes and stuff in between takes. I'd race back into the control room to watch what was going on there. So I just learned from the absolute best in the world, the legends in the world. I was doing that five or six days a week for, you know, 20 years. And uh, I think what propelled me was when I worked with the worst ones, the worst producers and the worst songwriters. And I'm like, I can do better than this. (laughs) You know, this is... As a matter of fact, how I started mixing all my projects was Steve Lukather, uh, his first solo album that I did, All's Well That Ends Well. He was working with another guy, and uh, he wasn't happy with him, but he played me some mixes. He said, how, what do you think of these mixes? I said, this sounds like dog shit. 
It sounds absolutely awful. This is, he's ruined your record here. And uh, he, he got kind of defensive. I said, put on my original demo, the one that we did in three hours when we started with no song. And three hours later, we had the song demo. Put that on. And it just jumped out of the speakers. It, mm-hmm. There was no comparison. I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but what I'm getting to is. I will. Uh, he, <laughs> he just looked at me and goes, you're mixing my record. And I go, I'm not a mixer. He goes, oh, yes, you are. And I realized, well, of course, I've been looking over the shoulders of Greg Ladani for 20 years. Mm. I've been watching the way everybody did it. And without knowing I was learning so much, osmosis, I learned so much. But how the, the different hat question, I just was born with ears and uh, kind of a photographic memory. Mm. And I can tap into about everything I've ever heard. So there's a strange there's a library uh, there. kind of math going on inside of my head. Mm. So I always had great ears when I was a kid. I remember uh, we went to a museum when I was probably 11, and they had a thing with our band director, and they had a thing that played a quick tone, whoop, and then they had a knob, and, you, <laughs> and everybody tried to get back to that original, whoop, and it showed, you know, 13% off this way, 27. Well, the band director got to like, uh, he was minus zero thirteen or something like that. And everybody's like, wow. Well, I walked up zero. <laughs> zero. I was 11. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'll see you later. It was just, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't sit and twist it. Like I just went, boom. It was just like nothing to me. So it, it, that it. instinct was there from a very early age. So, uh, what I'm getting to is I don't see much of a difference between composing for film and 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 telling a story on a record. It's all storytelling through music mm-hmm. and putting emotion. And as a songwriter, I imagine an emotion. Yeah, and as a yeah. songwriter as well, right? When you absolutely process it, as a film composer, you know you're you're probably um, music director and, and or, you know, organizing all these different instruments and this, this, this feeling telling the story, the same with a song, the same as a producer for an artist. Now, when you go into a songwriter, is there a difference in, um, in an atmosphere and, um, environment for you? Is there, I've, I'm now I'm quiet and I'm telling my story and it has to come to me in a different way and a different method, a different, um, Discipline. Well, it's a different discipline because writing a song means you're you're the screenwriter. Also, you're coming up with it's a guy who grew up and he meets a girl and da da da. You're writing the story of that also. So obviously, a movie's already been written. The the the, the you know the the idea and the story is there. But as far as the uh, uh, how it feels working with the people. I've been lucky enough to work with Christopher Gass now for 32 years. I think I've been working with him and, you know, we're just both sitting there in our jeans and our t-shirt, cup of coffee. And I played something. I go, uh? and he goes, uh. I go, uh? yeah. Uh. Okay. And that's kind of the extent of the conversation. Tell me. <laughs> we just know each other so well. And by the way, I've you know been thrown a lot of, uh, much bigger Hollywood film stuff. And every time I got into it, that is something I, did, I was not comfortable doing. It's uh, mm. what's that? Um, uh, just, just so much bureaucracy and no. becoming and doing a big Hollywood film as a composer. Yeah. It just, 
And I would have had to have left being a session musician mm-hmm. and a songwriter and have to leave all that behind. And that just was, wasn't something I wanted to do. You, you know, you're waking up to 50 emails. So, you know, okay. you, you say you have ears. Have you listened I'm to sorry? albums? I say you. <laughs> I almost didn't catch that. <laughs> but you sit there and you listen to, let's say, an album or even just mm-hmm. a song. Uh, or uh, in my instance, I'm watching some of these awards programs. And I've been I've been engineering and producing programs and all this kind of stuff for, for over 40 years. And and I'm I listen to the faux pas. OK, what do you mean his mic isn't on? Who the hell's running this oh, thing? God. Or I have an album going back to the mid 70s or actually early 70s. And it's just the some of the songs, the vocals are distorted. Okay, if you will, as some would say, there's fuzz on top. And I'm going was not was the engineer not listening to 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 this guy singing and and uh, writing gain and and adjusting the levels? Well, this is exactly what I was saying was was the onus of me learning how to do all this stuff. Yeah, as I worked with engineers that did that. And I go, hey, move that, put that over, you know, not that, not that. And then finally, you know what? Get out of the way. <laughs> and I'd be bam, 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 bam. I could work 10 times faster than yeah. that. And, I, you know, like I said, I learned a lot from working with people that didn't know shit. Yeah. And I learned a lot from people that did. So, but a lot of motivation of, of going, I can do a better job than this. Let's go back for a second to uh, something you said right before Richard's question about um, the, the big Hollywood films, mm. 50 emails a day. I know it's, it's just it's overwhelming. It's, it, t- it would take from your other path. I'm taking notes here. I want to be <laughs> C.J. Vanson. And I'm taking notes. Hey, look, it's heard. a flaw at the same time. There's guys that are great at doing that. Yeah. I'm just not. I, I speak up too much. So it's, like, it's being aware of what you have to offer and being that's part of, of the skill set is, and if I'm listening, I'm taking notes to get like, know yourself, know what you're good at, what you're strong at, and then try to follow that as well. There's even a more selfish thing is it's what's fun. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. enjoy uh, getting a phone call. Uh, what's that sound uh, when they're driving uh, the car? What do you mean? The sound? Well, there's a funny sound. And when they're, Driving the car in that black and white scene. Uh, what do you mean funny? Well, it's honky. You mean the trumpet? Well, is that what it is? But it sounds like a weird trumpet. Well, okay. <laughs> it's 1960s trumpet. New York, <laughs> black and white. There was a, once a man called Miles Davis who played a thing called a muted trumpet. It's like, I, I'm done. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. There's so much. It's so subjective. You so to it. me, if I'm... I don't know. It's just not. I'm overgeneralizing. Let me but. ask you this question. I don't know if I've, I've, I'm always curious. You're, you're composing your your film your film composer hat is mm-hmm. on right now. It's a love scene. What what instruments do you choose? How do you write that? Well, you know, there's what? a lot of times you go against the grain, and this is exactly what happens, especially in uh, Chris's movies. Chris has a saying: "You can't have two jokes." So uh, when we did Guffman. Uh, he said, look, I just want a little band, one violin. It's a small town. Uh, I want a violin, saxophone, piano, bass, drums. That's it. So I made up a little template in my sequencer, and I started doing the songs. And I'm like, these just aren't emotionally moving enough. 
And I said to Chris, I said, what if there's a guy in Blaine? That's where the government takes place. That could play anything. And so I can add glockenspiel and, and uh, you know, a synth pad or <laughs> timpani or a trumpet or whatever. And he goes, you're in the movie. <laughs> so that's me and Guffman that's playing the trumpet and the timpani at the same time. So, but anyway, there's a song in, in, uh, in uh, 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 Waiting for Guffman, and it's called Penny for Your Thoughts. And Corky St. Clair is playing the male lead because the other guy, the macho guy, dropped out. And Corky's very effeminate, and he's playing this, this soldier just back from or off to war. And they sing this song, Penny for Your Thoughts. Well, it's hilarious because it's so wrong that he's singing this song to this girl you know, this love song to her, but I make the song a real love song, right? I don't have to make it funny. It's already funny. And another thing I I would say is, uh, uh, there's a song where Eugene Levy comes out and sings and he's not a singer and he's, he's a dentist, but what I'm scoring is his own internal overinflated opinion of himself. So the music is grand and huge and beautiful and gorgeous. And it just works because it's going against the grain a little bit. Mm. So I don't know. Love scene. I, so, you know, the last thing I would do would be to go right on the spot, you know, yeah. and so I'm always trying to That's work a little bit it. to the left of it, you know. Got it. Got it. Great. Great. Love the love the answer. Tell me that you guys are working on another. We need more comedy. When, is, are you guys putting out another film? Tell me he's working on. Well, that's the rumor. That's the rumor that's okay. going around. You know, I've talked to the guys and uh, it could happen. Uh I would love to work on it. Um, uh, I can't say too much more than it. You know, I'm going to have dinner with Harry tomorrow night, so I'm going to find right, out. We'll, we'll keep us up. Uh, we'll, 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 the real we'll, truth. Yeah. But I know we'll stay on the edge of our seats here. Yeah. Uh, we, and these we, guys, by the way, I'd like to add, these guys are great musicians. These guys, and they, they're like musicologists. They know music history. Mm-hmm. They know different instruments, how they're built. And they're, they're just geniuses. And they're lovely to work with. And... Uh, I got my fingers crossed there for everyone that we're going to do this. Or, ours are as well. I think there's a good chance. Let me put it down. All right. Great. Well, uh, we are going to take another real quick break, uh, CJ. So I hope you can hang got out it. with a little longer. Um, we're going to take you out here with It's All About Believing by uh, Def Leppard. Can you tell us in, in a very, very, very quickly, because we're over time, um, about, the, about the song and working with these guys? Or do you uh, want well, to do that on I the got back? introduced to I got introduced to uh, Phil Collin, the guitar player from Def Leppard, by Greg Ladani, who was uh, one of my dearest friends, and uh, he just said, "You guys should write together." We started writing songs, and uh, one of the songs we wrote, he was playing the stuff for the band. And the band goes, "What is that? We want to do that. We want to cut that song." And so I ended up producing that for them, and it's a uh, it's paying homage to Def Leppard for sure. I'm a huge Def, Def Leppard fan. But I put my own twist on it. You can hear it in the intro. It's a very cinematic intro. Mm-hmm. Sound effecty. You know, it's got all this kind of. So, you know, I never want to like just put just my stamp on it. But there, I always like to bend people a little away from yeah. while paying honor to them. So I think mm-hmm. that uh, you'll hear that in the song. All right. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Here it is. It's um, uh, from it's Def Leppard. And it's all about believing. We will be right back before I leave you, though. Uh, we're talking with C.J. Vanson. C.J. Vanson, he's a uh, film composer, record producer, songwriter, and a keyboardist, but he's also the co-producer and co-writer on several tunes on the new Jeff Skunk Baxter album, Speed of Heat, 
released June 17th. Put it on your calendar by BMG Renewal Records, and you can pre-order it everywhere now from Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, iTunes, everywhere. It's out there. Pre-order June 17th. We'll be right back. Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio. The Jeremiah Show airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. CoreRadio.rocks. Hey there, I'm Caleb. I'm Becca. And I'm Joshua. And we are Girl Named Tom. Go to GirlNamedTom.com to hear more of our music, buy merchandise, and learn about our story. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball. Hey, this is Tim. And this is Christian. We're L1011. Hi, this is Ron Sexsmith on The Jeremiah Show. And we're back with The Jeremiah Show.
My very special guest today is CJ Vance, and if you're just joining us, I never hit the console. I'm hitting the console. Hopefully, I'm not ruining your ear no, 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 when you're, you're fine. when you're all listening. But I'm excited. CJ Vance is on the show. Yeah, today. My ears were ruined years ago, by the way. Don't worry. About <laughs> well, I mean, I'm apologizing to the listeners when they hear this show. They probably hear this pounding in the background. I'm just excited. I'm like, CJ's here, and uh, we're talking so many great we're having things. Fun. Yeah, we're having fun. Uh, well, you have a correction for me, and I'm so sorry that I, we want to get everything right here on the show um, uh, regarding the new Jeff Skunk Baxter uh, album that's out, Speed of Heat, on uh, ju- not out yet, June 17th, but you're hearing a lot of it here on the show. Thanks to CJ and Mike Gormley of LA uh, Personal Development. Thank you so much, Mike, for all your help. Um, yep. CJ, correct me here. What? As far as the credits. Well, I co-produced the whole record and, and wrote everything on it except for the two Steely Dan covers with Jeff and the whatever subsequent artist. Uh, the only reason I wanted to tell you that is we've worked on this record for a long time. It's probably 12 years because we were never intending to really make an album. Yeah. And we just kind of would get together and make some music. And then a couple of years back, we said, man, we got all this stuff. We should just put this into an album and, and get everything up to snuff. And we thought some of it would sound dated. Some of it we'd have to redo. Some of it we'd have to throw away. It was all valid and felt really good. So I'm really it proud is. of it. Someone asked me the other day, what, what style is the album? I said, there is no one style for this thing. It's, yeah, it's I, just I, the stuff we love. Dr. D, you're going to love that opening song with the bagpipes and all yeah. that and the drums. Yeah, yeah. It's just so good. The Ladies um, from Hell. Is ladies the from Hell, which you're going to explain in a moment. But I wanted, before you do, uh, Richard's got a question, but I have one question first. Uh, how's the album doing? Because I, I, I know it got to number one, uh, or the single, uh, the first single got to the number one I saw from Mike Gormley. Um, how's it doing? How's it received? Uh, you, you know, when you asked me about... Uh, working on large films and stuff. I told you I wasn't good at that. Uh-huh. I'm the worst guy in the world when it comes to the singles. Coming uh, up. How, how's it doing? How many it's sold? Keeping in touch with the record company. I'm just lame. Well, I, I, have no, I have no idea. I never check. To, I never you, look. You just feel it. You love it. You know it. That's well, it. I'm just I'm hoping people are listening yeah. to it. So yeah. there's nothing I can do. It's out of my, out of my hands. Although being on here helps a lot to be able to talk about this record because I've, feel very strongly about this record. I know people are going to love it. So, yeah, it really is one of those that I think is going to be like yeah. a, a defining album. It's just really good. Yeah. So good. Yep. And it's good to hear that kind of, it's just good to hear good music and good musicians again. And oh, yeah. Michael McDonald's on it, right? Clint Black. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Any other um, artists that I'm not mentioning? Johnny Lang, the John- blues giant. Yeah. And, you know, each of these guys, our motto was, We'll work with you, but we're going to do, we're going to take you out of your lane and do something yeah. that you mm. don't usually do. And yeah. the song we do with Michael McDonald called Place in the Sun, we close it's with like that. a prayer. Mm-hmm. And it is mm. it's so moving, so goosebumpy. And that came out great. And then Clint Black ends up as a huge Steely Dan fan. And he was goofing around. And he played this really obtuse riff that you'd never think Clint Black would play, <laughs> and that became the basis of that song. So it was a very Steely Dan song, yeah. uh, wow. sounding song. Clint Black, Johnny Lang's. There's an element of Prince in it. Mm. Wow, know? 
So we're taking um, the guys out of their lane a little bit. Yeah. Very important. Michael McDonald's yeah. a friend of the show. He's been on before. Yeah. So I, we got to have him oh, back. He's and have such him talk a about great him. guy. Such a yeah. nice guy. And you're goosebumpy working with him. You're going to love that song. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, is. we're actually premiering that for the listener. Uh, and it's oh, entirety, good. That's right. The entire song oh, at good. the very end of this interview. Dr. D, you had a question. Yeah, and we'll I've probably have to take a break. Out, ready to go. Yeah. yeah. I'll ask the question, let you answer, and then go from there. Uh, as I said, I've been doing this for 43 years. I have produced commercials, programs. I have produced audio books. I've even produced music for people in my early, early days. And the one thing that I loved more than anything else producing, aside from this program, is radio theater. And I was 21 years old. That's 40 years ago. I was producing a Norman Corwin play called The Moat Farm Murder. And I had such a blast with all of the, today, primitive means by which to create sound effects and and do all of the different things. And I'm wondering, <clears throat> with all that you're doing, because you mentioned about the one song that we came back with, uh, what, Led Zeppelin, was it? Led Zeppelin? No. Was it was it that song? Which song? Or was it uh, the one with the sound effects you had mentioned, uh, CJ? Or Def Leppard. Def Leppard, yeah, Def Leppard. What did I say? Anyway, um, and I'm just wondering if you have ever branched out into other areas aside from just music or is has music can i put it this way does music have a stranglehold on you that you're not going anywhere else no you're not staying. at all as a matter of fact i'm a writer also and i'm uh, currently shopping a couple tv shows i've got an animated series uh that uh, both fox and comedy central are interested in i've got a I've got uh, another series of live action. They're they're all music based. Then uh, talking to Sony about that one, and then I also have a couple movie scripts I've written. That uh, if I get those things sold, then I'll have enough of a name. Maybe I can get those made. I cool. really want to leave behind. I've lived a crazy, crazy life. Yeah. Stories we could do four hours here, and I've just tell you some of the wildest stories as many musicians can. But I've mm-hmm. had more than my share, so I want to leave these stories behind. So. I I love writing also. Hmm. Well, we thank you for writing all that you've written, especially the songs and the music and, and bringing it to us. This has just been fabulous. You want to take us to break, we're gonna, Yeah, we're going to go out with a Joe Cocker song. Tell us, uh, can you give us a, <laughs> oh, a, a, a little yeah. quick click? On, uh, click. Can you give us a little story on that? Backside. A quick Back, story the story on the way out. The I love I don't yeah. give you any time to set these up, but. Well, I got a call from Chris Lord Algae, another legendary engineer that I've spent 30 years working with, who I should have mentioned before. He's a dear friend. He's a, such a genius. Uh, he was working with Joe Cocker, and he needed someone to come in and sit down at the piano and help find the right keys. That's all they wanted me to do. So I went, I went to the studio, and I met Joe. Hi, nice to meet you, Mr. Cocker. And I looked down, and the music was like, those aren't the right chords. And I said, well... Well, this needs to be here. And what if, it, well, why are you even going to this? Why don't we chop this out and go to this? And uh, and we did this on about eight songs. And the manager's sitting back there and watching what's going on. And Joe said, well, he's playing on my record, isn't he? The manager's like, well, I, 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 I don't know. Well, of course, I ended up arranging the entire record when they heard my, you know, ability to chop sections out, change the keys, get things, bring in different sounds. And, uh, the record was a huge success, and Joe asked me to do his world, world tour. And uh, I agreed to do it for only one reason. I wanted to hear that voice come out of the monument yeah, Sunday night. And let me tell you, one of the sitting best. behind Joe Cocker, and he and I had a special, special musical link. 
I could pep him up when I wanted to, and he'd go into his like his rocket man pose. And uh, so, you know, we ninety four. We went on. We opened our first gig on that tour was uh, playing to six hundred thousand people at Woodstock oh. too. Wow. Six hundred. You say six hundred thousand? Six hundred thousand. Yeah. Oh, geez. Gee, wow. Well, we ended up touring over fifty countries together, uh, two or three times around, and you know, just sitting on having meals together and talking about tomatoes and dogs and just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful guy. What a great experience. Mm. And so later on, after doing that for about uh, 15 years, uh, no, 10, 10 years, I guess, they asked me to produce an album for him. And I finally produced uh, Heart and Soul, which this song is off. And features Eric Clapton. All right. Yep. That, enjoy. We'll be right back after this break. We're talking with uh, legendary film composer, producer, writer, screenwriter, and keyboardist, also a songwriter, C.J. Vance, and we'll be right back after this break. But find him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at C.J. Vance. You know I love you. I love you. Girl, I don't care if you don't want me. You know I'm yours right now. I put a spell on you. I put a spell on you. Because you mind. You better stop the things you do I love I love You know I can't stand it You're running around You're no better, babe can't stand it cause you put me down I put a spell on you Because you're Check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi, everybody. This is Ann Hitch. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hucks from the band Everclear. My name's Danny Dreho. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Jeremiah, your loved homes. need help with your restaurant or hospitality business? See how we can help your business at hjlrestaurantadvisors.com. Hey, this is Jeff Stunk Baxter. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran. 
and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. You won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. C.J. Vanston, if you're just joining us, he's uh, just such a talented artist and uh, has added so much to our lives. Oh, my God. So let me just mention a couple of them. The, the, the list is too long to mention here, um, but I encourage you to look him up and, and follow him on his social. Uh, you can pretty much find him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, on all of them at C.J. Vanston. Um, he has he's, he's a producer, a co-producer, excuse me. On the new album uh, by Jeff, the solo album out by Jeff Skunk Baxter, "Speed of Heat," he's uh, he's wrote he wrote the songs all all but two, I believe. Um, let me let me tell you, he's as a film composer, a couple of the things here. If you haven't heard a couple of the projects, major projects that uh, CJ has worked on, he's uh, "Waiting for Guffman," "Almost Heroes," "Best in Show," "Sweet Home Alabama." A Mighty Wind, Slingshot, For Your Consideration, Mascots, and the list goes on. But he's also worked on a lot of albums, either on or with, uh, producing, writing, um, and playing on albums by Prince, NSYNC, Barbra Streisand, Ringo Starr, Celine Dion, Bob Seger, Richard Marks, Tina Turner, Joe Cocker, Peter Cetara, Spinal Tap, uh, goes on and on, and we just came in with Toto Orphaned. Uh, tell us a little bit about Toto, and welcome back, CJ. Nice to be back. Thank you. Well, as I told you, you know, in uh, Chicago, I was a session musician, and the minute I started doing, the minute I set foot in that studio, I knew this would be where I'd want to spend my life. Um, but our rhythm section, first of all, we hailed the band Toto, because many people do not know Toto played on everybody's records. From Michael Jackson to uh, Lionel Richie to Shaka Khan. It's all Toto on the Pointer Sisters. It's all the Toto guys playing on those records. So they called our rhythm section the Toto of Chicago. So when I came here to L.A., I couldn't wait to get in the studio with these guys. And uh, I worked with Jeff. I worked with uh, a little bit with Steve Ricardo, but he's a keyboard player, and David Page. But a lot with Steve Lukather. And we developed a really good relationship. I ended up producing a couple of Steve's solo albums and the band heard that stuff. And uh, David Page gave me a call and he says, we're, we're making our stars and pepper and uh, we want you to work on it. So I had a meeting with the band and 
I said, okay, you want me to work on this record? I mean, this is a dream for me. Again, like I said before, the term I use is I would have cut off one of my toes when I was 20 years old for just to meet the guys, let alone work, play, make a record, make a good record, and gain their respect and, and, and friendship. So I said, so you're doing the record. What, what do you want me to do on it? And David walked up and he put his hands on both my shoulders and he said, we want you to do everything. <laughs> And I said, you know what? That's what I do. Let's do it. <laughs> so we spent, you know, eight or ten months making a, a Toto 14, and it ended up being a record that, by the way, the reason it was called 14, uh, Toto 4 was considered the benchmark for, of all Toto records. And that uh, was, it won all the Grammys and everything like that. So after that, they had different names. From, for They started titling their records, mm. you know. And... When we started working on this, people started saying, this is like Toto 5. You know, this mm-hmm. has that kind of legacy. Yeah. It, they were mentioning it in the same breath as Toto 4. So we looked up the number of records, and there had been Toto 14. So instead of Toto 4, it was Toto 14. So the fact they gave it a Roman numeral was the highest honor to me I could have ever gotten because we made a record worthy of being mentioned alongside Toto 4. And uh, it really was a watershed record for them. Ended up uh, opening a lot of ears and bringing a younger generation into hearing them again. Then Africa started getting covered, and then that started playing. So uh, they're still playing songs in their record on their tours. And uh, and Africa is it? Didn't it make just a? I don't, it's never gone away, but it's made some kind of a major, major comeback. If I, if I oh, huge, gigantic, years, yeah. but. Uh, uh, it's one of the great honors of my life doing that record. And, you know, that's one of the things where I go, you know, anything happens to me, I'm cool. I did what I. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you've done so much. How important are the relationships in this business and and to you? Oh, my God. It's, it's so huge. Well, first of all, you can't create with someone that you can't stand. I, I, for me, I can't. Some people can. And, uh, you know, some people yeah. can't. And you find out really quickly who you can get along with. I mean, I remember the first time I met David Crosby. He walked in the studio and I was with Russ Kunkel, Lee Sklar, Dean Parks, Phil Ramon producing at Jackson Brown's studio. Mm. And Crosby walks in and his hair is sticking all out. And he, hey, cats, how you doing? And all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes, hey, who the hell are you? <laughs> so, I'm the new keyboard player. And he goes, yeah, I need a new keyboard player. Like I need a hole in my head. <laughs> and I said, hey, old man, why don't you go back to prison? <laughs> oh, my God. And he stood there because I figure I'm either going to get fired. Yeah. But I'm not going to we're not going to live this way. Yeah. He stepped back, put his hands on his hip and he goes you and me are going to get along just fine. (laughs) And that was it. And we were, we had a great relationship. I love him to death. He would just be insulty, you know? So a lot of it, uh, your personality is a huge part of it. And you got to be tight with people and you have to trust people. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to not be afraid to suck, Mm. you know, especially Mm -hmm. when you're working with guys like Tony, you guys, I got this idea. I don't know if it's any good. Or you don't even play on the idea because you're too shy yeah. to do it. So you yeah. have to feel comfortable enough to present something and then have them go, nah, and go, all right, let's move on. 
That's good advice. That's yeah, good advice. But, yeah. All right. Well, we do have to wrap up, yeah. unfortunately. But CJ, we got to have you back more. Oh, than, please. Uh, hopefully, you you had enough fun to come back, and we can we can bribe you back here when you do new. Uh, you're always creating and doing new well, things. Well, remind we'd love me to, to tell be. you the Jeff Beck story. I'll, I'll oh, hold that. No, back tell it. Can you, do you want to tell it now? Go for it. Sure. Tell it now. Have uh, you got? We don't want. I, I was going to give you a final word. Ones. So, uh, this is one of the greatest. Good one to leave you with. So, 1981, I was in Chicago. And I was in a band called Trillion, and we got called to open for Jeff Beck. And, like, that was ridiculous yeah. that yeah. we even did that. So we went down to Carbondale, Illinois, and uh, we, it was a giant uh, indoor arena. We did our set, and Jeff Beck was watching me play, and I was showing off and trying to be cool. And so we finished, and we went out to the front of house console. They got some folding chairs and set, up, set them up for us. The lights go down and out comes Jeff back and starts playing. And it's just like seeing God. That guy is just on another planet. Well, after about five or six songs, I've got to go to the bathroom. And I'm sitting there. <laughs> but Jeff Beck's playing. It's like, I got to hold it. I can't. I can't. It's like, oh, my God. I got to go. I got to go so bad, but I can't leave. What's the best thing that could possibly happen? Drum solo. <laughs> now I can go to the bathroom. <laughs> so Simon Phillips was the drummer there. So I ran backstage, showed him my laminate, went backstage, uh, took a pee. And on the way back, that's when the PA cabinets were from the floor up, right? Yeah. So behind the PA cabinet is a cooler. And I grab, grab a beer, pop it open. I lean back. And right there standing eight feet above me with his back to the speakers where the, you know, the crowd's out there. Uh-huh. He's covered by the speakers. He's just standing there smoking a cigarette. And the whole time, <laughs> <laughs> lights are flashing. And I'm standing there going, that's fucking Jeff Beck right there. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. He looks like James Bond. He's so cool. Takes <laughs> a cigarette, drops it, goes to step on it. Falls off the stage oh. Oh. onto the concrete in front of me. Oh. There's nobody around. I'm the only person there. <laughs> I ran over and go, Mr. Beck, Mr. Mr. Sir Beck, sir, are, are you okay? <laughs> and he rolls over. You're going to have to beep some of this out. He rolls over, and his pants are ripped all the way down to, to the ankle. He's oh. ripped his pants. And he's jiffy popping. His BVBs are sticking out. Uh, you know, it's like now how you want to see your hero, right? Yeah. Are you okay? And he goes, I ripped my fucking pants. I ripped my fucking pants. And I'm like, oh, my God. You got to say, you okay to get up? He says, yeah. So I pick him up, like with superhuman strength. And I go, oh, my God. He's exactly my size. <laughs> so I take him back to the dressing room. And yeah. the whole time, the drum solo is going. Now the roadies are looking for him. They see me. They think I'm kidnapping him or something. He's like, yeah. no, You're no, he's, oh, he's okay. It's okay. I said, tell Simon to stretch the drum solo. So they tell the drum check, and the drum check does the rubber band, you know. And Simon's like, whoa, I guess I'm <laughs> kicking ass here. He has no idea what's going on. Right? Just keeps going. The drum solo keeps going. So we go back to the dressing room. I go through my wardrobe. I pull a pair of pants, and I turn around, and he's standing there in his underwear with skinny legs like me. And it's like, oh, my God. Not what you want to see. So I hand him the pants, and he goes, I ain't, I ain't wearing no purple pants. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, now you're going to be the, the Mr. Chooser here, not the beggar. Okay, interesting. Then I remembered I had a pair of black pants. And so I reached way down the wardrobe. Pole. I said, well, how about these? And he put them on, and he, and he turns around like, 
like asking me, how does my ass look in these pants? You know, that move that people do. I'm going, you look fine. So the roadies grab him. They take him down the hall. And the whole time, and also I hear it way out there. I called somebody and they me, Jeff Beck is on stage playing in my pants right now. This is unbelievable. I can't wait to tell the band. So I run and run. I go around the front of the house, run off the front of the house console. And the drummer, the band looks at me and they go, where the hell did you go? You just missed the greatest drum solo of all time. <laughs> uh, how do you, how do you tell uh, what the guys, behind the scenes? That's crazy. Oh, guys, <laughs> got a little story for you. He's wearing my pants right now. <laughs> I saved him. <laughs> oh, man. So oh, I, I actually after the concert. I, I actually expected you to That's give him awesome. your pants right there down below uh, the stage. There, I actually did. That's well, such a good story. I'm glad we. I'm glad we. I'm glad we extended. That's oh, such a good too. story. I love that. Oh, story. fabulous! That's uh, my closer. It's a good closer. Well, CJ, let me have you close one last thing here. Set up. We're going to play right now um, for everybody listening out there. The the new. Uh, song from Speed of Heat. It's uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter's first so- real solo album. Um, and, and producer, co-producer C.J. Vance has been on with us uh, this whole time telling us some great stories. We're going to listen to now, though. Uh, I think it's one of your favorites here, if you if I'm not wrong. You, you mentioned set up this song for us. It's Michael McDonald. And it uh, My Place in the Sun is the title of the song. Again, it's on Speed of Heat. It's going to be out on June 17th, so pre-order your copies now. Set it up for CJ, and we're going to get, we're going to take you out with just a beautiful, beautiful Well, song. we just we were making an instrumental record, and then uh, Michael's name came up, and I said, man, can you get, can you call him? Can you get him on this? And Jeff was doing a charity event and ran into him, and Michael said, I'm in. I'll do it. So we went and picked him up at LAX, drove to my studio, and sat down, and in about three hours, this song just came out mm. so easily, and it was such a beautiful, it's a prayer. Beautiful. And my place in the sun is basically when when everything's dark and I'm down, My uh, whatever your place you go that makes you feel good, that's my place in the sun, and that's what this song is about. Mm. And the conversation between him and Jeffrey's just genius guitar playing. I mean, I should just say this. I think Jeff Baxter, if they ever make a Mount Rushmore for guitar players, he's going to be on it. Yeah. That's how heavy his he talents is. are really a beautiful, forward. a beautiful person on top of it. So I've really value our years together and you can hear it on the record uh, how much we love each other and how much we love Michael. So that's what this song is. Mm. I love We love this album. Thank you for sharing it with us. Uh, and again, I'm going to say it one more time because I, I really, I really believe this is going to be the album of the year. It's going to be the album of the summer. It is good. You want it at the beach. You want it in your car. You're going to be barbecuing and camping and sharing it with your friends. I mean, this is what it's all about. This is This album has everything. Um, pick it up. Uh, you can pre-order June 17th. It's out by... Um, BMG uh, and Renewal Records. It's uh, co-produced by our guest today, C.J. Vanston. You can buy uh, pre-order right now. And again, it's out June seventeenth. It is Speed of Heat, and we're going to take uh, let you let you go now. Let everybody go. My place in the sun. Uh, enjoy. And CJ, can't wait to see you again, my friend. Uh, really had a good time. Thank you, Mike Gormley, for introducing us. I just want to say that one more time. Yeah. Mike Gormley. Yeah, thanks, Mike. 
Yeah, he's a personal uh, consultant in, in the music industry. You can get him uh, L A P R D E V dot com. L A Personal Development. Um, and he's he's a great guy to contact. Okay. Here it is, C.J. Vanson, uh, and you can find him on all social media at C.J. Vanson. Here is A Place in the Sun. Enjoy. My steps up to this moment All at once it's clear to me Just like the pieces of a puzzle Exactly as they need to be Not to embrace my desolation Though I'm no stranger to this place Still one memory brings a smile Like a warm breeze across my face My place in the sun So true and clear Even now still you find me here Let faith be my light Darkness, my fact I need only believe To find my way back To my place in the sun Place in the sun The only thing that's real What's inside our mind? We forget more than we remember. The answer seems so hard to find. For all the distance in the journey, and the search for what is true. Seasons changing. I keep my faith in you, my place in the sun, so true and clear. Even now, still I find you here. Let faith be my light. Will darkness survive? I need only believe to find my way back. To my place in the sun
find me here I see you, baby I see your face I see your voice I feel your embrace and you are listening to the Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves and to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Be sure to check out our very own Richard Dugan, a.k.a. Dr. D, Peabody Award-nominated radio show. Tell me your story every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound and engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. I'm up putting my guns in the ground I can't shoot them anymore That cold black cloud is coming down This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, the Jeremiah Show. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 